Well, this morning, I encourage you to open God's Word to uh, James chapter 1. We will be reading from verse 22 to 27, um, and we are continuing our sermon series uh, through the book of James. If you did not bring your Bible with you this morning, we encourage you to find a Bible provided in the chair in front of you, a black Bible. You may find this passage on page number 1011, 1011. It's a short passage. It's a well-known passage. Uh, some images that uh, probably are, no, are not new and uh, will remind you of some verses perhaps you have memorized when you were a child. If you've grown up in church and you've been a part of vacation Bible schools or, or uh, children memorization uh, programs, but let's uh, read this passage and listen to it together. It's a very important word for us. Here's the word of the Lord. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, his, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us. Would you pray with me? Asking God to bless the hearing of his word. Oh God, we praise you for revealing yourself to us. We praise you for making known your decrees, your will to us. Oh Father, we pray now that you would bless the preaching of your word and bless the hearing of your word with a readiness to act upon it. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And through the power and the presence, the Holy Spirit, who is among us. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, as we look at this passage, I want to remind you uh, of what went on just before this text. In verse 21, uh, look, look at your Bibles. Hope you keep your Bibles open. Um, in verse 21, James commanded these believers uh, an interesting command to receive the word with meekness. But what does it mean to receive? the word of truth, and to receive it with meekness? Is it simply hearing the word? Is it simply acknowledging that whatever you heard is true and worthy to be believed? Is that what receiving means? Receive the word. Well, verses 22 to 25, answer what it means to receive the Word. And then verses 26 and 27, which we read, will give us three examples, three areas of doing the Word. They're by no means an exhaustive list of examples, and we will look this morning only at verses 22 to 25, and Lord willing, if we're still alive, next week, next Sunday, uh, we will continue this text and work through and focus on verses 26 and 27. But let's look this morning at, 
at this theme of, of doers of the Word. What does it mean to receive the Word? And the answer is be doers of the Word. What does it mean to be doers of the Word? Let's look at, at the first command, at this command, the only command, really, in this passage at this point in verses 22 and 25. Be doers of the Word. Be doers of the Word. Look at verse 22. Be doers of the Word, and not hearers only. The call to be doers of the Word does not make listening or hearing somewhat less important. Sometimes, I'm not sure if you've ever noticed, um, sometimes people who are fed up with hearing God's Word want to put it aside, and they will say, let's just focus on action. I'm not sure if you've noticed, people who don't have a desire and a delight to hear the Word of God, they typically, one excuse they would use is, why so much Bible study? Why so much sermons? Why are the sermons so long? And let's just keep it short and let's just get to do it. Let's just focus on action. Well, friends, I want to make sure we understand that James, in verse 22, when he says, be doers of the Word, he is not downplaying the act of listening. If our God is a real God, then He's able to speak. That is one of the distinguishing characteristics of the true God as, as, as a real and true God. God shows that in the book of Isaiah time and over and again, especially Isaiah 40 through 45, that the idols of the nations cannot speak. They have a mouth, but they're not able to speak. But the true God is able to speak. So if He's able to speak, then one of the best things, one of the most important things that His people can do is to listen to what He has to speak. Remember in verse 18 in, 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 in James 1, if you look at verse 18, James told us that the new birth was caused through the means of simply hearing the Word of God. In verse 21, James commanded us to receive the Word with meekness and to receive the, the Word that is implanted in us. So James is not downplaying the importance of listening to the Word. But what James confronts is the listening that comes by itself. It's when we listen and hear without intending or being ready to act upon it. There, friends, there is a danger in being mere listeners. Such a person who is a mere listener may like, actually, they may really like to hear God's Word. Such a person may like to know new facts about the Bible. And if they walk away from church and they haven't learned anything new, they might go away home and feel like it was a wasted day in the house of the Lord because they like to get something new, a new fact, a new thing, a new explanation. Now, he or she may like to know it, 
just to know it. Knowledge puffs up. You can like to know about the Bible and still not profit your obedience and not profit your godliness, not profit your walk with the Lord, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time. Those of you who've grown up in church or have been, you know, as long as you can remember, you remember being a Christian. Um, well, first of all, I hope that's not true. Uh, because theologically and, 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 and doctrinally, that, that cannot be true. Uh, but but you, you sort of think in those, those kind of languages. As long as I can remember, I've always been a Christian. Um, if, if you feel this way, uh, you might feel like you know the Bible so well. You've been in so many Bible studies. You've been in so many Sunday school classes. It's easy to fall in the trap of coming to the service or coming to a Sunday school class. Or going to a midweek Bible study, a home group, just to know new things, more things about the Bible. But that should not be our ultimate aim, dear friends. The ultimate frame, aim, why we should want to hear the Word of God is that we might grow in our obedience to it that we might grow in our doing of it, that we might grow in our godliness in His ways. The mere listener might feel good about how many times he or she has read the Bible from cover to cover. They might really take pride in that. They might feel good about that. And friends, it is good for us to read the Bible many times. Don't get me wrong. It's just... I question if you really find a lot of pleasure or boasting or feel good about yourself in that act as opposed to saying, listen, I've read it so many times and I still don't follow it as much as I should. Well, that's now a humble attitude. It's not a boastful attitude that makes you feel good about yourself or makes you feel like you, you are a better Christian than someone else who hasn't read it as many times. You see how the same experience of reading the Bible many times can either lead to an attitude of boasting or making you feel good about your spiritual experience or actually could lead you to humility and a desire for even greater obedience. The command to be doers of the Word could also be translated as become doers. It's a word that really could be translated become doers of the Word and keep being doers of the Word. It's not about a status. It's not about passing a threshold. It's not a one-time experience or activity. It's an ongoing, regular activity and attitude. This focus on being a doer of the Word is brought out in a number of passages in, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Uh, one in particular was a passage that we read earlier in the service uh, from Ezekiel 33. I want to read it again because it's such a bomb of a passage in the middle of the Old Testament. As for you, son of man, God speaks to Ezekiel. As for you, son of man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, say to one another and to and each to his brother, what are they talking about? They're not talking behind the preacher's back. They're not talking behind Ezekiel's back. They're actually doing something good. Look at what they're talking to one another. They are encouraging one another to come and hear the word of the Lord. They say, come 
and hear what the word of the Lord, what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come. And they sit before you as my people. And they hear what you say. Now, if we just stop there, friends, that would be, that would be the desire of every pastor to see the people enthusiastic about the Word of God and speak to their neighbors and encourage one another to come and, come and be a part and hear the Word of God. That is a wonderful picture. We would say, here's a picture of a church that's alive, very enthusiastic about what's going on in the life of the church. They want people to come, invite one another to hear the Word. But look at what it says as it goes on. But they will not do it. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm about the Word. Enthusiasm about listening to it. Closeness when it comes to doing. And he goes on and says, For, for with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear what you say, but they will not do it. Wow. Notice how God describes a people to whom Ezekiel spoke, eager to come and listen. Eager to invite others. But yet, they will not do it. Notice that he, they even think of Ezekiel as one, and, and, and it's not that Ezekiel was playing an instrument. That's not what he's saying. But it, they're coming to listen to him as they're listening to someone who's playing an instrument and is playing well. In other words, they come to hear the Word in order to be entertained, even by the preaching of the Word. They come to listen because they might like the jokes. They might like the humor. They might um, get into a good mood from hearing Ezekiel preach. But they are not listening for the purpose of doing it. Well, friends, how often people, even today, might come to a church just to hear a good, good program, a good singing. And if you... <laughs> If you were to take that aspect of, of the, the fun of it, if you will, the, the entertainment part of it, if you will, if you take that away, for how many people it would totally ruin the church experience? Or people might even come to, to hear a sermon. It's not just about the singing. They might come to hear a sermon because they really like the way someone does it. And if, if, if the, that preacher would no longer be in that place, people would no longer come to listen. They're not coming to listen for the Word of God. They're coming to listen how someone preaches something. They're not coming for the content. They're coming for the how. Oh, friends, even in coming to listen for the Word of God, realize there is an inclination in our hearts that we may come with, with a readiness and a willingness just to delight in what we're hearing, to have a good experience in the act of listening, and yet not come and listen with a purpose of doing. Oh, friends, what James is, is, is warning us is becoming doers, not merely hearers. Don't stop in your experience simply to hearing. How, 
How often, though, friends, think about yourself. When you come to our weekly gatherings, what is the attitude that you bring with you? Are you coming wanting to, to have a nice service? Does the preaching need to be in a certain way? Does the music need to be in a certain way? Do people need to be in a certain way? And friends, let's assume that all those expectations are met. Will that give you a great day? Will that make it a great day for your experience? You might go home happy that you liked the service. It was wonderful to gather. Friends, if you stop there, and if you stop only there, you might be a mere listener. Ask yourself, do you have a heart inclined to do and ready to put into practice what the Word says? Yeah, not everything may have completely met all our expectations every Sunday morning, but that's not the point. Because the point of why we gather is not simply to like what we hear, is so that we may go away and do what we heard being said from the Lord. Are you willing to change things in your life simply because of what the, Lord of the, what the Word of the Lord said? Whether it was said well, whether it was said clearly, whether it was said in a short way or in a long-winded way. You know what I'm talking about? Are you happy to just do the Word, even if it didn't meet the expectations in the way it was delivered? Oh, friends, James challenges us. Be a doer, not merely a listener. Now, here are the dangers of being a, a, a hearer or a listener only. Two dangers that James uh, brings out. The first, uh, the first danger is self-deception self-deception. Look at verse 22. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Interesting, deceiving yourselves. Yes, when we become mere hearers and not doers, we actually deceive ourselves. Uh, in what way do we deceive ourselves? In the way that we actually think the delight in God's word, learning to something new or learning to listen to God's word, if we stop there, we think that's enough. And God says it's not. You hear the word, you even like it, but you won't conform your ways and your life to it. You're not interested to align every aspect of your life to what God says. Friends, if that's your attitude towards the word of God, you might be living in a, in a great deception. Some of us are really good listening for others. I'm not sure if you've noticed. Perhaps you, if, if you caught yourself in this, you, you know, you hear a sermon and it, it might make a really good point, and you immediately think in your mind, oh my goodness, I wish so-and-so would be in church today. I hope they really hear what the pastor is saying today. So you might be a really good listener for someone else. Do you ever catch yourself doing that? Now, let me, let me, be, let me, let me make, make sure you don't misunderstand. 
I am so encouraged, and I do want to encourage you. If you hear a, a sermon that the Lord has spoken to your own heart, that you would encourage others to listen to it. And think about encouraging others to, to get into the Word and, and hear the Word of God. So we should encourage others to do so. Don't get me wrong in that. I want to encourage you to do so. But if you stop at that alone and you just listen and, and think about how this Word really applies and should apply to someone else and not yourself, well, friend, you might be in danger of deceiving yourself. To like hearing the Word, hoping that others are listening, but you yourself are not taking diligent look and say, Oh, Lord, now open, up, open me up. It might be painful, but what is it you want me to change now that I've heard this Word? I know something, not everything is, in my life is, is lined up to your ways. But, Lord, I've heard it. Help me, help me change. Help me put into practice. This deception is, is so... The, 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 the hearing and not doing is so real, dear friends, and the deception is so real that Jesus lands on this warning as he is finishing preaching one of the greatest sermons he has ever given. The Sermon on the Mount ends with this warning in, in chapter 7 of Matthew, verses 21 and 26. I'm just going to read this, this ending of, of the Sermon on the Mount. This is how Jesus concludes this wonderful sermon. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do my, many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And Jesus goes on and says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and, the, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the illustration goes on. Oh, friends, Jesus himself warned us of the danger of hearing and not doing. Friends, I wonder how many among us this morning might be in this category, in this danger playing with the self-deception. And, and you may not even know it. You may not even realize it. You like coming to church. You like hearing the Word. But there's no desire or little desire to put it into practice and change your ways to conform your life to His Word. Second danger that James gives us, not only the danger of self-deception, is also the danger of being a forgetful hearer. A danger of being a forgetful hearer. Look at verses 23 and 24. Um, James gives this wonderful illustration, but as wonderful as it is, it's as confusing. Uh, here's the illustration. For he, if anyone is a hearer of the word and does not, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, I have to confess, this, this, this illustration gave me trouble. I was struggling to figure out, I was 
struggling to and trying to figure out what exactly is it trying to illustrate? Is it trying to illustrate and compare the mirror with the Word of God? So that just like we look into a mirror and we see our true nature and our true, uh, what, you know, our face, it might, be, it might have a pimple on it or it might be uh, uh, dirty and we need to wash. We get a true picture of, uh, of who we are. Is that what it's trying to do, to compare the mirror with the Word of God? Some commentators think so. Um, I was actually helped by Dick Lucas uh, in, in, in pointing out that the purpose of this illustration is more simple than we're trying to make it be. It's literally, think about your daily routine. You wake up, and at some point before you head out the door, you're going to be in front of a mirror. And you do your routine, whatever you do, combing your hair, um, shaving, whatever it is that you do, you do your part, and as soon as you leave the bathroom, you're not even thinking twice about what you saw in the mirror. When you drive to work, you're not thinking, oh my goodness, man, that face that I saw in the mirror, wow, what a beautiful face. Or what an ugly face. Uh, you're not thinking, um, man, I really like the way I look. Or I, I, I like the, the way my, my look is this morning. I, I just... Man, that, that picture in the mirror was great. You don't, you don't sit meditating on, on your face that you saw that morning throughout your day. Or do you? Perhaps if you do have a pimple in the middle of your forehead and you're trying to put a lot of makeup and try to hide it away, you're going to go several times to the bathroom throughout the day at your office to make sure that the, the makeup didn't come off and it's, you know, it looks okay. I mean, in, in those kind of situations, you might be concerned about your face. But under any normal circumstances, once you leave the bathroom, you're not thinking twice about your face. You just move on. You, you do your, and it, but you do that every morning, don't you? You do the same routine every morning. And you like it. You do it. But it makes no impression on you once you leave the bathroom. You move on to the other things of the day. And you don't go, come back to that mirror until the evening or until the next morning. Oh, friends, realize that this is how some people approach the Word of God as they listen to it. They like it for the moment. They enjoy, if they're in front of it, they will enjoy being in front of it and, and, and stay long in front of it. You know, some people might stay very long in front of a mirror. Um, they might enjoy doing that, but as soon as they leave the mirror, as soon as they leave hearing the word, the word is out. They're not even thinking about it. They're not thinking about how to put it into practice. They're not meditating on further on how, what it means for them. Oh, friends, people who are just hearers and not doers, they're in danger of being forgetful hearers. You won't think about it throughout the week. You won't seek ways to put it into practice. You won't ask God to show you how it applies to you. You simply came and listened. You may have even enjoyed it. But as soon as the service is dismissed, that word is dismissed as well. And such is the forgetful hearer. Such hearing really brings no benefit to our lives. So the two dangers of being mere listeners is that we deceive ourselves in thinking that we are well spiritually when in fact we may not be. 
And we think that we are mere, that the mere listening of the word is enough, when in fact, such listening brings no benefit. So notice the alternative to the forgetful hearer. In verse 25, James is not continuing the illustration. In, J in verse 25, he's now moving to the real person, to you and me, who says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Instead of the man who forgets what he is like, instead of the man who, who dismisses the thought of what he saw in the mirror, he just moves on to the other thoughts of the day, this person in verse 25 he looks into the Word of God and perseveres. He continues to think about it. Now, what is involved in persevering in the Word of God? Notice what he, James says. And he perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Yes, in other words, if you're going to hear the Word, you're going to read it, but then persevering means you're going to let your mind stay on that word. And you're going to keep thinking about it and thinking specifically, how does that shape me? How, does that, how do I put that into practice? What does it mean for me to, to live that out? What are the contexts? What are the situations in which I haven't done that? And I need to conform. All of a sudden, this man, and hopefully that's you, starts realizing that he needs to act and do some things differently in his way of life. Friends, have you ever seen people do this? One of the greatest joys I get as a pastor is when I hear people who remember not only what was said, because that's not the most important part, but remember something from the Word, and that something gets them to do something different in their lives. And it's that that sticks with them. It's a shaping that remains. Friends, have you ever noticed, do you remember everything you did when you were five? Or when you were a child? Actually, most of the things that we did when we were children, we had forgotten. Now, does that mean that childhood is not important? Oh, no. Our childhood stage shapes us. It's a shaping that we have been exposed to, that stays with us, not merely the information that we remember from our childhood. And in a similar way, it's not just a hearing. I, you know, friends, I am not concerned that you, if, whether or not you will remember 90% of my sermons. Actually, I know that you will not remember even 10% of them. And I am okay with that. I want you to know that. Because it's not so much in, in remembering the content or the information as much as allowing that content and that information to shape us, and then the shaping remains with us. That's what matters. So that a congregation who is, who is exposed to the Word of God and is shaped by the Word of God, whether or not they remember everything their teachers or preachers have said is secondary. What's more important is to see that congregation mature and grow and being shaped by the preaching. That's more important. That brings more joy to a pastor than simply uh, remembering a particular way the pastor said something. Dear Christian, realize one of the greatest things you can do for other believers in this church is to encourage them and ask them to encourage you to put into practice what you have heard. So let me give you some examples. 
Let me give you some applications, some things that I want to encourage you to do as a way to, to be even more intentional in being a doer of the Word. First of all, um, most of you, or some of you, or most of you, we end up going to lunch on Sundays, whether that's in our homes or uh, out, out with other people, um, whatever, wherever it is. You know, and you might sometimes, sometimes you might ask people, uh, well, how did you like the service today? I'd encourage you, don't ask that. Ask a better question. Instead of asking, what did you think of the service today? Or what did you think of the sermon today? Ask him, what has the Lord spoken to you? And what will you do, what will you do about it? Ask that question. And think and let people think and answer you through that question. Or ask, what will you be thinking about this week based on the preaching of God's Word? Ask those questions over the lunch meal on Sundays. Friends, when we encourage one another not merely to listen, but also to, to think about doing it and putting it to practice, it's one of the greatest services we can do for one another, to encourage one another in actually acting on the Word of God. And by the way, you can do that throughout the week when you meet with people. You can do that on the phone. Some of, some of you, especially older ladies, I know some of you older ladies love to call up on other members and just catch up with them. And, and, and they may not have been, especially homebound members, they may not have been in the service Sunday because they, they're homebound members. Well, tell them not, oh, the service was wonderful. Well, don't stop there. Tell them something the Lord has spoken to you that the Lord is challenging you to do. And it may be things that you've done before that you've been slacking off. Things that you know you should be doing, but you sort of have left it behind. Or things that you haven't considered before, and you're like, wow, the Lord is challenging me to do something I've never considered before. Talk about those things with others. Friends, it's such an encouragement to hear members, one another, uh, be challenged and shaped by the Word of God. Let me suggest a second application in the way we want to encourage one another to be doers of the Word, not mere listeners. Last week, I've introduced a new practice for our service. At the end of the service, right after the benediction, rather than just rushing for the door, or rather than turning to our neighbor and, and start you know, giving a hug or a warm shake, whatever you might try to do, rather than doing that, we want to introduce a time of about 20 to 30 seconds of silence in which we encourage you to pray silently and think about what the Lord has spoken to you and specifically think this, what will I do this week based on what I've heard today? We want to introduce that moment of silence as a way to get us before we head out the door to start the persevering process in our own minds right here. To get us to sort of conclude, what will I do? So it might feel awkward at first. You know, we, we'll have the benediction, and we'll do that this morning after, this, after the benediction. We'll have the benediction, and before we head out, we'll have a 20 to 30 second of, of silent prayer. And only after that, the music team will, will sing some music in the background. But we want to do that as a way of preparing our hearts and showing the intentionality of being doers of what we have just heard. 
You know why this man is acting upon his word in the book of James? Look at verse 25 again. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. You know why he perseveres and why he's doing it? Because he realizes it's, it's a law of liberty. Now, that's a strange way to describe any law. A law of liberty? Typically, laws are given to constrain us. Typically, laws are given to tell us what we can or cannot do. Here, first of all, James is not talking about the Old Testament law, the the Mosaic law of the Old Testament. Uh, James uses this phrase not only here but later in the book also to to refer to the whole counsel of God. And actually to, to consider not only the whole counsel of God but also the gospel itself. In what way is the law, the Word of God, the law of liberty? Well, think about it this way, dear friends. In our sinful nature... We can look at God's commands and walk away feeling that God is not letting us do what we want to do. God is not letting us be what we want to be. He's forbidding us to do certain things. He is commanding us to do things that we don't want to do. Yes, this is our rebellious nature, how we view um, the commands of God. And yet, in what way is God's law, it's the Word of God, a law of liberty? Well, in this way. In our sinful nature, we are in bondage to sin. In our sinful nature, we can never do things that will please God. Not enough. Not well. Not consistently. to, To our sinful, rebellious nature, the inclinations of our hearts, we are not free to live according to God's ways. A person who is still in their sin, a person who is not repented and trusts in Christ to be saved, is still a a slave to sin and darkness. Friends, if you're not a Christian, this statement may sound very strange to you. I want to make sure you understand how the the Bible uh, tells us the big story of how God liberates His people. Yes, God created mankind to be free to worship God freely, to to exhibit His glory and character freely with no obstacle, with no intervening uh, obstacles in the middle. But man, by his own free will, disobeyed God, rebelled against His ways. And because of that, it triggered the judgment of God upon our rebellion. And not only that, but also impaired man's ability to listen to God and to follow His ways in God's perfect way. And therefore, ever since the Garden of Eden, ever since Adam and Eve, none of us has the kind of liberty, has the kind of freedom to act in a perfect way, in a consistent way, according to God's standards. God promised that He will punish every rebellion, every act that falls short of the glory of God deserves death. And yet, God in His mercies provided a way, a solution to deal with our rebellion, to deal with our guilt, to deal with our enslavement to imperfection, to our enslavement to rebellion and sin. And that 
solution is Jesus Christ. Through His perfect life, through His death on the cross, through His resurrection from the grave, through His ascension to the right hand of the Father, God has provided a way so that rebellious sinners like you and me can be restored back to God, can be brought into new freedom that God has intended for us from the very beginning. We can be restored to a liberty that we have lost in the garden. But only those who repent of their sin and trust in Christ can be granted this new life, a life that brings with it a new freedom, a new liberty. Oh, friends, if you have never responded to this call of the gospel, I pray that you do so today. I pray that you do so even right now. And if you'd like to know more about it, I'd love to talk to you at the end of the service. Or ask someone who's a Christian, ask someone in this church what it means and talk more about it. But for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who have responded through repentance and faith to this new good news of the gospel, realize that the gospel doesn't stop with our acceptance of it at some point in the past. The gospel truly ushers in, ushers us in, into a new lifestyle, into a new life in which we are finally free to start living for the purposes of God in a way that we've never been while we were still under sin. So that in that sense, the entire revelation of God is a law of liberty in the sense that it guides us. Those who have been freed by the gospel, it guides us to live in that newfound liberty. Let me give you a picture, an illustration. The people of Israel were finally liberated from Egypt. And where does God take them? What's the first stop after they cross through the Red Sea? What is the first major stop that God has them stop for a long while? Mount Sinai. Now, did God give them the law so they could be free? No. God gave them the law because He had just freed them. So that even the Old Testament fits into this picture in the sense that the law of God is given to the people who had been freed already out of God's free mercy and grace. You see how in that concept of the law of God is given to the people whom God has freed so that now they know how to live out their lives as a free people, and don't go back to slave enslavement into sin, into the idols of Egypt, into, into the lifestyle they have been used to in Egypt. And what did Israel do? They went back to the same enslavements of idolatry, of disobedience, of rebellion. Oh, friends, realize that the law of God is perfect. And the one who listens to it and perseveres in it and wants to do it, does it because he realizes in this law of God, we have a law of liberty. It's not a law that constrains. The only thing it constrains is our sinful nature. And it is good for that to be constrained. That's why James concludes with a blessing. Look at, look at what this man uh, what is said about this man in verse, in verse 25, he will be blessed in his doing. Oh, friends, God promises blessedness for hearing and obeying the Word of God in other parts of the Scripture. Luke 11, Jesus is encountered by a few women who said to him, 
Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. And Jesus said to them, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Revelation 1.3 Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Revelation 22.7 And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Oh, friends, blessedness is promised to those who do the word. My friends, I realize it is much easier to just listen. Honestly, if you and I are honest with ourselves and our own sinful nature, it is more easy if we just listened. It would make it much, we would be happier in our sort of weekly life if we just came to listen for a good program, a good service, an uplifting experience, and just went home and not worry about what was said. It is more challenging and painful to be intentionally a doer of the Word. It's more painful for you. It, 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 it makes you think through the stuff, and some of the things you may have to consider doing are things you don't like, so it's going to be painful and even unpleasant. I would say ugly. Because sin, in our sinful inclinations, will always want to portray and cast the law of God as ugly or as not worthy to be, do, to be done. So in some ways, it's easier and you will be happier if you are just a listener of the Word of God. But the Bible says that blessedness belongs only to those who actually do it. Let's pray. Father, help us. Whenever we gather in this place, or whenever we open Scripture in our homes, before our children, for our family members, or whenever we open Scripture in our own quiet places, for our own selves, whenever we are exposed to your truth, and hear it or study it. Help us, O oh Lord. Help us to not be mere listeners. Help us not to be pleased and satisfied with simply an entertaining quality of hearing, but put in us a hunger and a desire and an intentionality to be doers of the Word. And Father, grant us the blessedness that belongs to those who hear and do your word. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.